Hello and welcome to episode two of the Pets at Home Puppy Podcast. This episode we are going to be talking about bringing your puppy home, all the kit you're going to need, all the things you need to think about. And joining me in the studio again, we've got Head of Pets, Carleen Herman. Hello, Carleen. Hello. And also joining us, we have Claire North from North Canine Dog Training. Hello, Claire. Hi. And also in the studio with us, we've got the adorable Rags, who is a 15-week-old, what is she? I can't remember. Golden doodly doodly. doodly. She's a golden, golden doodle, doodle with her owner, uh, Maria Woolens, who's a Pets at Home colleague as well. So um, 15 weeks old, absolutely adorable, golden doodle Rags, who's currently sitting on Maria's lap. I'm talking very slowly because I'm just staring at her <laughs> lovingly. She's so beautiful. You are your good girl. And she, oh God, she's so well behaved. Is she normally like this? Um, she has her moments, but I've been quite lucky. She's quite relaxed, quite chilled. She's I would very say chilled. she's quite chilled. Well, hopefully, um, yeah. Well, feel free to kick off, uh, Rags, if you so choose. The studio is yours. Just um, mind the cables. Um, okay, so kicking off today, leaving behind their mother, their litter mates, their first human family, and really the only part of the world they've ever known. Um, There's no doubt that um, going to a new home is a major day in a puppy's life. It's the beginning of the rest of their life with potentially quite some stressful moments, um, one would think. So, but not only for them, but also for owners. So without preparation, bringing a puppy home can be difficult and a challenging time. But don't worry, because there are things you can do to smooth the way. And we've got some people here that really know their stuff. And um, also the, the first day with your puppy, I guess, marks... The beginning of your life together and it's the start of the bonding process that will then establish your relationship with your dog for um, a very long time. So let's kick off with Maria and uh, I want to ask you a few questions okay. about uh, you and the adorable rags. So what made you decide to get a puppy over any other pet type? Um, I have just about every other pet type. Oh right, okay. And it's I've bought uh, my own place uh, with my husband, and we're out in the middle of nowhere, and it's beautiful. And it just didn't feel right to not have a dog to make use of the river and the fields and everything else. So it took a bit of cajoling and took about three and a half years to win the husband round, but we got wow. there eventually. So. You got there in the end. Yeah. So you had a little bit of a dog-shaped hole in your life by this time. A little bit, things. yeah. Although this is my first, my own dog. Um, so my mum has a dog, um, but this is my first, my own dog. So, oh well, you made a good choice because she's absolutely beautiful. Um, I was going to say, have you owned a dog before? But you've um, already uh, answered that. Um, so, how did you decide on the breed? How did you decide on a golden doodle? It was lots of conversation. I'm very much a fan of your huskies and your malamutes, and, and I love their stamina and their strength. But we have seven cats. So it's like can't seven. Go, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we couldn't go down that road. My husband wanted something like a Springer or a Cocker, and it was like I don't think you've got the energy for that. Yeah, they're, they're very highly energized. <laughs> I think anybody's got the energy. For yeah. That. <laughs> no. um, so it's just really reading up about lots of different breeds, and we came across the Golden Doodle. My best friend has dog allergies, so I wanted something very gorgeous. Um, something so Rags is currently um, licking Maria's face while she's trying to talk. Yeah. You crack on. It's a pet podcast. It doesn't matter. Rags um, is in charge. Yeah, so she's a hypoallergenic dog, or at least hoped her to be. And yeah, we just like read up a bit more and was like, this seems to be the right dog. We didn't want something tiny. No. Um, wanted something that we felt like we got a dog on the end of the lead. 
Is she is she fully grown now? How how big no, old she got? She's fifteen she's weeks, so she's got another eighteen months worth of growing. So Claire, can I can I bring you in here? Yeah, so what do you what do you think of the golden doodle breed? Are they are they a good family pet? Yeah, I like them for families. So they tend to have really nice natures, they're very biddable, they're nice and trainable, nice dogs, good dogs. Colleen, have you got anything to add about the, the golden doodle breed? No, not particularly. I agree with Claire. They're, they're really nice natured dogs. Obviously, there's a lot of poodle crosses um, these days, so you can go, get anything from tiny dogs all the way up to quite quite big ones. So a golden doodle would be sort of towards the larger end. But they, they all tend to be quite nicely natured dogs. As all dogs, all breeds and, and crossbreeds, there are certain illnesses that are maybe a little bit more prone to um and with a golden doodle it would be what poodles get or golden retrievers get so those are things to just read up on as well when you're when you're getting a dog but generally crossbreeds tend to be a little bit hardier maybe than um, pure pedigrees because their gene pool is a bit bigger yeah absolutely and if i can just come in as well and say about researching the breed and the breed that fits for you that's really really important get it like to look at that before you make that commitment that it's something that fits your lifestyle or what you want excellent so good choice all around then we're agreed on that one yes. and sorry if i just keep not looking at you three and just staring at right <laughs> she's just adorable and she's opposite the table and i can't take my eyes off her so what kind of research did you do before um getting rags so lots of online i suppose and then once we'd sort of like decided a rough idea of the breed. Um, oh, she's going to walk about. She is, yeah. Oh, <laughs> about to take the camera. Um, so once we were sort of like going, maybe something doodly, we'd start, then started looking at, not reviews as such, but anything that people had written up, so forums or going to breeders and things like that. But we then spent a lot of time researching the breeder as well so that we, we knew that they'd come from so that's a good place. Claire's, Claire's going, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, go on. Yeah, I mean, the, the person who breeds your dog is hugely important. What they do for you before you pick up that dog is massive. It sets the tone for what you're going to get out of that dog. So it's hugely important, absolutely. When you bought her home, did Rags, did Rags cry? Was she crying? And did you have a crate for her? Was she in the room with you? We had a crate, she didn't seem to be a fan of the crate. The journey home, so in the car for an hour, I sat in the back with her and she basically just slept. And the, the reader did say, oh, we've taken her out in the car three or four times to make sure she's used to that. So the only time she really cried was when we went to bed. And we'd said, we won't go to her. We'll just let her cry it out. That lasted all of five minutes. Yeah, same here. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so she does come into our room, but she just sleeps under the bed. Which is, there's no climbing up on it and okay so that's completely made my next section of the podcast devoid because you never had a problem with night crying sorry <laughs> no, no it's fine I mean so um you guys uh Claire and Carleen is that is that good what what Marie's doing if you're do- if you're happy if your dog's just sleeping in the room with you is that all right yeah so from my point of view absolutely so I would generally be saying to people it's quite dog dependent quite puppy dependent so if you sometimes you're going to bring them home the breeder might have crate trained them, you put them in the crate, they sleep, that's no problem. If you don't get that, and puppy, it's really important that puppy isn't distressed. So, 
you need to sort of think about how you're going to cope with that. And for me, there's two main options. Either you go downstairs and sleep next to that crate or you bring that puppy upstairs and it sleeps next to you. Much preferable. Really, that's going to be the two options. What we don't want, and it's important to note, so usually we're going to bring puppies home at around eight weeks. Puppies are in what we call a first fear impact stage, eight weeks old. So Sorry, they what is feel that? A first fear first impact fear impact stage. stage. Yes, so they're gonna feel very vulnerable. Things are quite frightening. It's part of growing up. It's a behavioural development stage. Lasts a few days, but they're gonna feel vulnerable. And suddenly we've been and got them. Um, they're away from mum. They're away from siblings, and they're in a brand new place. So what's really really important is that they get to bond with you and to understand that you're the person that's safe and that's there so for me I would not leave them crying and distressed I would be with them because you can change that over a few days so if you don't want puppy to sleep in the bedroom longer term that's not a problem put him there help him to settle once he's relaxed and knows about environment and where he is you can always move him but it's easier to bond with him and then change things like that than it is to leave him to be distressed okay so, Colin, you, um, we were chatting earlier before we started the podcast about how uh, legislation changes and how advice changes. Yeah, I think especially training advice. I'm really glad Claire's here because what I would say is obviously vets know quite a bit about behaviour and some vets know more than, than others. But generally, you're best going to a qualified um, trainer or behaviourist to get this sort of advice. It's quite a lot of grey areas. I think even trainers don't always agree. Behaviourists don't always agree. <laughs> And, you know, I'm thinking back when I got my dog, which is more than 15 years ago, 20 years ago even, you know, the advice was very much, you put them in a crate, you leave them to cry, you just ignore them and eventually they'll be okay. But I think now that advice has definitely moved on what Claire just explained Mm. about, you know, they're they're whining, crying for a reason. It's because they're scared, they're vulnerable. I think people used to say, oh, you don't want to pander to them because if you pander to them too much, then they're going to learn and only do it more to get your attention. But what Claire was saying, actually having the crate or your puppy in the room with you or you go sleep with them so they see they're safe and you're there and they can hear your breathing and your smell and everything and then slowly move them to where eventually you want them to be it's just a much kinder way I know I must admit Um, it's always I mean you know like I didn't Maria didn't clearly I mean I think I lasted all about I think it was 12 minutes I can't bear this who's who's going to not want to go and comfort a crying puppy I mean it's just it just seems so cruel to just leave them particularly when you've literally been wrenched from their mother put into this new environment they've got no idea where they are they've no idea really who you are and then you just leave them i mean this does seem like a much more humane and loving way of doing things yeah and i think it's really important to say as well that we're looking with puppy with dogs in general you're going to be looking at the emotional state of that dog and you can so people would say oh you know you can reinforce that behavior and to a certain degree that can be true if puppy if you're standing there and puppy's yapping at you for attention that's a totally different thing yeah but when he's on his own vulnerable crying you can't reinforce an emotion you can't it, it is what it is so that's why we would give that advice that's interesting you can't reinforce an emotion no, you cannot. That's something to bear in mind. <laughs> so just as with human babies, a normal day-night routine is still new to a young puppy. Often they're not sleepy at bedtime. They're not hungry when you want them to eat. How do you create a routine? Who wants to chat about that out of anybody? I think it's very important to get a routine, but I'm probably 
don't know how well you got on with yeah. sort of getting a routine for what's that. your what's your so the routine currently bearing in mind that I am on the road a lot and it's another reason for letting her sleep in the rooms if I'm in a hotel yeah she's got to get used to these different rooms all the time so the routine is up at around 5 five thirty, outside for a wee then she'll come in and have her breakfast and then it's chill out time and then we don't do anything until about seven o'clock and she'll start to brighten up a little bit and then she'll want more exercise more play time go out and we do everything we need lunch is normally around one-ish and then dinner comes in at around eight nine o'clock i think i have struck gold with rags um she just seems to settle really quickly and she gets that routine seems to suit her. I'm just looking under the table to see what she's doing now. What is she doing now? She's chilled. Oh, she's very yeah, chilled. She's, chilled. <laughs> she's so chilled. Getting those meals right and then remembering the toileting afterwards. Um, and she is starting as well to let me know when she needs the loo, which is, which is good, especially when you're on the eighth floor of the hotel and you need to go down in a lift because <laughs> oh, she doesn't do stored yeah. stairs yet. <laughs> like, seriously, Mum, you've got eight, eight seconds. We've got eight floors. So does that, how does that sound to you, Claire? And Colin? Yeah. Is that... I mean, for me, like routine, again, individual, isn't it? So I'd be a little bit similar to yourself. I'm on the road a lot with my dogs. So I guess our routine is not the same every day. Um, So they have to fit in with lifestyle. So what your lifestyle is going to be, for me, like when the puppy first comes home, there's an element of settling a few days, but then you've got to get into what life really is because they need to fit into that. So... And that is what it's individual for everybody, isn't it? So, but if that's you're absolutely right, things like if puppy needs to learn to settle in different places to sleep and things like that, crate training might be good because it might help with that. It totally depends. Um, but yeah, I'd be the same. Like my guys come in the hotel, we put the crates up. You know, it's a it's a big signal that it's time for bed probably. <laughs> and they don't mind going in. I mean, it's like you you kind of I guess you have to make the crate their little safe den and and make it theirs and know that. They know that that's their little safe, quiet spot if they just want to disappear from everyone else. Yeah, room. absolutely. So crate is really good in the home if it's busy, getting out of the way. It should be positioned somewhere nice and calm, nice and quiet, so puppy can go there. Not all puppies will take themselves to crate. That don't mean that they don't need a rest. So what we want to be thinking about as well it probably is rest. So puppies of this kind of age need to be sleeping about 18 out of every 24 hours they need a huge amount that's a lot that seems like an awful lot yeah so they're growing they're mentally developing so they need the rest obviously for that so that they can develop properly the also as well in terms of their behavior overstimulation so on the go too much so this thing of play with them play with them play with them it'll wear them out actually often overstimulates them and then they become unable to settle and they become a bit adrenaline junkie right so you're, you're um, turning your you turn them into a ball of hyper energy yeah and and that's when we see an increase in things like mouthing behavior or jumping or so what's what's mouthing behavior so mouthing behavior like puppy mouthing puppy biting yeah, teeth on yeah, skin yeah. these kind of yeah. things with the horrible needle teeth <laughs> what's, her, what are her teeth? what's Rax's teeth like uh, they're, they're quite the sharp teeth. yeah um, and that's an area that we're working on daily to, to try to stop so. flop around <laughs> um, yeah so the sleep is massive the rest is massive and for some puppies we need to help them with that so we need to be teaching them you know I don't know at 12 o'clock you're going to go in your bed you're going to have a stuffed kong you're going to chew you're going to relax you're going to sleep some do it more naturally and part of that is genetic and part of that will be what the breeder did for you also i would say yeah. can i can i just say one thing for the listeners a stuffed kong is a rubber toy 
with um, some food in it. Yes, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Nothing else. Great toy. Yeah, they are brilliant on toys. On your must-buy list. Yeah, they really puppy. are. We'll do some notes in the podcast and Colleen's got a list of things, uh, a little checklist of puppy things that you need to buy. So um, we'll um, cover that in a bit. Um, yeah, so sorry, I just thought it was important to explain what Kong was because yeah, we were like, I just we were mentioning them. No, I was like, oh yeah. No, no, yeah. <laughs> so I'm really what you, what you should do is get your puppy and then also have a Kong in the other hand. <laughs> just like straight away puppies and Kongs. Okay, so they always associate their Kong yeah, yeah, yeah. with that. So make that part of the thing, time. yeah. Cool. Okay, so we've covered off night crying. Is there anything else, Colleen, that you want to talk about with Claire before we go on to a little checklist of of things that you need i know that you've compiled some ideas for what owners need to have to hand when they bring their I little think, bundle of joy um, home one thing i'd be quite interested to get claire's opinion on is the sort of different pheromone products that are out there that can help sort of calm your puppy down there are colors there are diffusers quite a well-known brand is adaptil um, but there are others out there so just interested see what Claire thinks uh, about them. I know they're not a quick fix, but in conjunction with training, um, whether you're a fan of those or not. Yeah, absolutely. So I absolutely love the Adaptil product. I would generally be recommending to people to put an Adaptil collar, um, the little collars on puppy, probably when you bring it home. So I pick it up, put the collar on, I put them in the car. They last for four weeks and they give the pheromone that mum gives off. So like a go explore hormone. So a, oh, a right. Calm. Okay. So it is, it is a complete simulation of the natural hormone. Yeah, it's a bravery hormone, really. So mum is going to give it out, I think between two and five days old, something like that. So it's the same kind of thing. So it's really nice and relaxing. It's nice and familiar, nice That's and calming. Adaptil are going to recommend that you need eight weeks worth, so two collars worth from bringing puppy home. So eight to whatever that is, 16. <laughs> Do dogs, not maths. <laughs> <laughs> and I would massively recommend this. And what I think it's really important to say is I would recommend that whether or not puppy is relaxed and balanced or worried or scared, I would do it anyway. Doesn't look like she needs one now, but that's no, really she good looks advice. like she's all adaptil down. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Does the spray actually give off a smell? Yeah, it's the it, alcohol. I think it does a little bit. I think they say leave it twenty minutes. So spray it around the car or the crate. Leave it twenty minutes. Put puppy in. You could also, as well, you could get. A, you can spray it on their own if you've got a fabric collar or on a, ba- a what's the word bandana. Spray it on this, leave it a little bit, put it on puppy if you're going out and about, if you can't get the collars. Hugely, hugely useful product. And the the, the plug-in adaptor, the plug-in, um, diff- uh, what are they called? What do you call them? Diffusers. Diffusers. Yeah, yeah, plug-in diffuser. How long does that have to be on before you bring puppy home? I mean, I've been told, like, do it the day before. Some people tell me to do it the week before. What's the sort of sweet spot there? Yeah, I think probably day before. I okay. think it's good there, yeah. So it'll just permeate the room. Does it permeate the room particularly? Or, I mean, do you need one for each room or a couple if you've got a bigger house or say if you've got well, like I, a three-bedroom terrace it, townhouse? It would mainly do the room. I think for puppies anyway, the advice would be initially maybe not to give them the full run of the house anyway. I mean, stairs, especially for bigger breeds, you'd want to avoid while they're developing. But also just from a safety point of view, it's actually quite nice for a puppy to just almost be restricted to one or two rooms and then slowly their world can expand as they start to feel safer so um, you probably don't need one in every room straight away yeah absolutely bang on space is really 
vital to manage. There's a lot of management involved in raising a puppy. So there's training and there's life and there's management and, and space is a huge thing to manage. Too much room, we're going to struggle maybe with things like toileting because puppy gets disorientated, where do I go? And the overstimulation that we talk about. So if I've got loads of room, I'm probably going to just fill it and run about like a little. Right. So yeah. They're trying management. to make it their own domain. Is that they're trying to own their space? Um, A little bit. I think it's more just like super fun. That kind of thing. And and so always so the more activity that puppy does, the more high an adrenaline puppy will get. So if you give him a bigger space, chances are he's just gonna run around more, which is fine sometimes, but then not all the time. You need to be watching puppies. You know, it's a tough few weeks, it's not something you can just say go in that room and then turn around and do your work. You've got to be watching him. So that makes it easier for you as well to have them in less of a space to watch yeah yeah well yeah that is much more manageable Carleen do you have you got anything else you'd like to ask Claire before we move on no I think yeah I think we agree on most things which is always yeah, great that's always I think um, you know unfortunately vets often see the sort of when things don't go right with puppies and most of the time it it does go well especially if you've got a you know quite a placid puppy and calm puppy like rags but I think for some more challenging puppies I think often people maybe aren't quick enough in asking for advice and whether that's because they maybe feel a bit guilty like they should know or they should be able to do this but they can't I think I would encourage people to seek advice as soon as possible because the earlier you know you can get the training right and get some help the better for your puppy a big thing that you can look at is somebody like myself maybe doing like a pre-puppy consultation with you. I do that quite a lot. People what does that, what does that involve? Yeah, so people are thinking, like, like you did, like researching into the breed and the breeder and things like that, but they're not sure. So you can contact somebody like myself to come out and I sit around with the whole family and everybody's got like pens, paper, we're going to research it, we're going to get the best fit in terms of breed. I'm going to help them research a breeder. I'm going to plan this first week for them, how, like where we might put the crate, what products we need. Basically, like this podcast, yeah. <laughs> but I'll come into the home and do it. Things like that can be hugely important because it's a massive thing adding a dog to your life, you know, um, and particularly if you've not done it. So yeah. having a little bit of guidance on how we don't get it wrong in the first few weeks, because like you say, that sets the tone for life and trying to amend behaviour when the dog is basically teenage, so six to eight months, that's like trying to discipline an 18-year-old human. It's, oh it's not going to be very oh God, easy. Shut up, Mom. <laughs> God. Oh, that's really good. So we'll put um, we'll put Claire's details in the podcast notes as well so you can look and go on your website. I guess there's more information on your website. Yes, absolutely. And, so, um, yeah. yeah, I might actually have to um, grab you for a feature in my VIP magazine as well. Yeah, well, please um, do. I'd love it. It's fascinating. I mean, it's such a massive subject, isn't it, dog behaviour? I mean, you could go on for years talking about it also another factor uh, just to just to go back to what we were talking about earlier about trying to control environmental factors is it a good idea to minimize exposure to loud noises kids running around that kind of thing what about sort of environmental aspects do you have to take into consideration or is it just all part of the course and it's better for them just to get used to the noise and the bustling at a young age yeah so for me I would look at that on an individual basis depends on the dog and depends on what we want from it so if that's something that puppy is going to live in and needs to get used to then yes absolutely they need to be getting used to that but with the right 
the right help and in the right way. So we would always say when you are socialising and getting them used to things like that, it needs to be a positive experience. So good experience, positive experience with these events. So if they are scared or frightened of them, basically what you're doing is badly socialising. So you're going to make the wrong emotional connection right, to the yeah. thing. So child runs up, pokes the dog in the eye, runs away again. Not a great emotional no. response. So you're going to look at twinning that experience with something nice, basically. So the okay. dog enjoys being in that situation. Not enjoys being poked in the eye. Yeah, no, don't poke in the eye. <laughs> um, and also, again, looking at monitoring the overstimulation particularly when it's busy and particularly around kids because obviously it's massively exciting for young children to get a puppy so you've got that whole energy shift when they're together it's really key to be watching that and to be saying do you know what I think it's time that we manage this a little bit and puppy needs to go to bed yeah. for a you, little you while you all need to time calm out. down <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that's very good advice. Um, so, Colleen, you had a list that you were going to put together for us of other bits and pieces. So we've yeah. covered the um, diffusers and collars. Is there any Is there any sort of particular checklist for shopping? There's, there's quite a lengthy list, yeah. <laughs> and if um, actually, if you if you go into one of our stores, we have these little my VIP puppy booklets, and the list is in there as well. So you can actually walk around the store and make sure you you've ticked everything off. And we'll be talking about some of these products in in other episodes as well. Um, so obviously, you need your puppy food and treats, and we'll talk, I think, in the next episode about about nutrition, yeah, nutrition. and the importance of food and the right food. Obviously, you need your food and water bowls as well. Then an adjustable collar, your puppy's going to grow. So get an adjustable one from the start, but make sure it fits. I think all too often we hear stories of often really tiny dogs, like little Yorkshire Terriers or Chihuahua puppies, and their collar is too big and they escape basically, mm. um, which can can unfortunately have quite bad consequences if that happens on a, on a busy road. A lead, think about harness as well. And then grooming, so... Obviously, Rags um, will need some grooming. She's got a fairly um, she long asleep? coat. She's still she's asleep. asleep. <laughs> Make sure you get the right grooming brush. And again, we'll talk about grooming in another episode. Uh, a bed and blankets. Obviously, your poo bags. Puppy pads, which can help with training. I know we didn't really touch on that Oh, yeah, we'll talk now, about that in a minute. But we're going to talk about that as well. If your dog's going to travel in a car a lot, something like a car guard or a harness. I don't know if you've got anything like that, Maria. So the one she's got on now adapts to a car To harnesses. a car as well, yeah. yeah. So either have your dog in, in a crate or in one of these um, harnesses. ID tag, really important. That's a legal requirement. So, of course, all puppies now have to be microchipped, but you still need um, some form of identification on their collar as well. You can get a fine if, if you haven't got ID yeah. on your dog. Is that right? Even if they're yeah, microchipped? absolutely. I think, I believe the fine's up to £1,000. So your ID tag legally wow. needs to have your surname and your address and postcode on there. It's quite an old law, so phone number isn't a legal requirement, but of course must be on there. A big recommendation for me would be to put multiple phone numbers on because if you lose your dog, the chances are you're on the phone screaming at everybody that you know. So yeah. put an extra phone number yeah. on there, somebody that's got a free line. Yeah, oh, that's really yeah. good. Yeah. Obviously, the indoor crates as well. Um, well, we've discussed that might suit yeah. some puppies and people better than others, but I think it's always a good investment um, when you get a puppy to to get that crate or even borrow one if you've got friends or family that have one and see how you get on with it. Toothpaste, toothbrush, very important as well and something to start your puppy used to um, from an early age. Again, I think in a grooming podcast, we'll, we'll talk about that. 
toys, shoes, plenty of those. Although we've already seen rags going in the bin. So <laughs> they often do like Occupy other things. Them. Don't give them all the toys straight away. I don't know if that's something you recommend. Yeah. Keep a couple back. It's a bit like with children, isn't it? And then every week or so, swap them around a, a bit. So yeah, do some rotation. Got a new toy. They're, they're like dead surprised. Oh my God, a new toy. Yeah. I had it like two weeks ago. I don't remember. I don't remember <laughs> it. Yeah. A bit like me. <laughs> and then another thing to think of, obviously, as a vet, preventative healthcare. So you flea worming and I am a big fan of health plans as well it just takes the hassle out of remembering when flea product is due worming when the vaccinations are due and it has lots of other perks as well so we'll be chatting about that in in future episodes so quite a list of of things to to think about I think the pets at home app you can put in all your details and all your um reminders and things for when uh the important dates in your diary for vaccinations and and vet visits and all that kind of thing and worming and stuff so that that's always good to know but again we'll put all this in the notes mm. so yeah. uh you've got a decisive list can i just add one tiny yes. thing on no, the list you all right yeah, yeah. um right playpen type setups oh yes it, a lot of people that. now the house is very open plan so managing space become difficult so i would maybe look if that's your situation at a playpen like attached to the crate or separately quite mobile as well so that we, we, this containing space thing can be a thing I just want to talk a bit about loo breaks during the night. So if you are uh, a new puppy owner, get ready for some late nights and early mornings, just as you would a baby, really, and don't punish them because crying and wanting to go to sleep isn't a form of behaviour. So who wants to talk about um, loo break training? Claire? I can do it if you want. Yeah, yeah. And chip in, Colleen, if you've got any questions. Or Maria, when you're experiencing. Yeah, Yeah, so... A rough idea of puppy time, sleeping that you can expect, right? This might help. So if you can get them to bed somewhere around 11, you might get something till about 5 in the in morning. The, in the morning? Yeah. Right. So I Is think... that's that correlates with... Yeah. Yeah, completely. Some puppies get up in the night, some don't. So a big thing that I hear and I am not a fan of, people are saying, oh, I set my alarm for 2 and 3 in the morning... Isn't that just going to wake the puppy up? Uh, absolutely true. So if the dog is asleep, please don't wake it up to take it out of the toilet because you're going to start and pattern that as a routine, like a sleeping yeah. routine. And I'm going to guess that nobody wants to get up at three in the morning very long term. So a key would be, and this is part of the reason why we want you sleeping near puppy, puppy's going to wake up, he's going to need toilet very quickly. So your job is get up, Get puppy, get him outside. Don't mess around. Don't be talking to him and telling him how much you love him. He needs the toilet, so get him out. Toilet him, bring him back, put him back to bed. So don't get into as well, let me play with him for 10 minutes before I put him to bed. Out, toilet, back in, but only if they wake up. So have you had any issues or is she actually, Rags is quite good at just going out, coming back in, going back to bed? She's quite good. She does tend to wake up, like proper wake up. Um, yeah, it's like oh yes, yeah. but then when we're bringing her back in, she's like, yeah, okay, so what are we doing now? Rather than going, let me go back to bed. So oh, right. I probably so she, do give a... her that 10, 15 minutes. So I might take a step away to make sure I'm not instigating that and just take right go to bed because I can have another half hour. Would that be a good <laughs> good thing to do? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Just make sure she's relaxed. So sometimes you know. Yeah, just just relax them and put them back to bed. I think communication's a big thing. Like, well, I don't, like me at three in the morning, I'm not going to communicate yeah, with anybody know. anyway. So you just want to avoid a lot of vocal and a lot, just like pick them up, take them out in a bit of a sleepy state and then just basically bring them in that same way so don't make engagement, I would say, at that point. And more sleep for you as well. <laughs> at the end of the day. Win-win. 
So, Maria, is there anything, as a, a new puppy owner now, is there anything you wish you'd known before or is there anything you would do differently? Well, with pets at home, I've kind of had a good basic knowledge. I suppose things that might surprise me, I suppose, with being a puppy owner is how hard work it is. Even knowing everything that I know, I have totally underestimated it is that constant watching, keeping company and so on. Not that I wouldn't have done anyway, but once you've got it, it kind of like hits home. It's like, right, okay, this is serious. I'm, I'm not a parent. So and it's always been cats and snakes. They're much less <laughs> more hard work. So, so yeah, I think there, there, there was that surprise. Even feeling like I would be completely prepared, I wasn't. Not overwhelmed, but just a bit like, okay, right, <laughs> learning curve. It is. It is. It's not. It's not completely out of context to to compare it with having a newborn for the first year of owning not a puppy all, is it i mean it's all, pretty no. much spot on yeah no i think so so uh, I, w- I would always puppies are hard work and i would always say that if you're doing it right it's hard work anybody that says to me my puppy is very easy and i don't do a lot and blah 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 is probably getting something alarm bells start ringing yeah. yeah i'm thinking you know this puppy's running around doing its own thing a lot and you're drinking coffee and on your phone or something yeah, like in that control. Yeah, yeah you know it's short term it is hard but then that's going to make you a lot of years a really nice time with your dog so putting absolutely. the effort at the start yeah definitely yeah. Well, I think on that note, I think we've covered off pretty much what to expect on um, the first few days of when you bring your puppy home. Um, our thanks to Claire, Carlene and Maria and, of course, Rags, who... I'm just looking at yep. Yeah. Oh, God, she's proper flat out now. She's proper <laughs> leg stretched flat out on the floor, chilled to the max. So, um, yeah, thanks, everybody. And don't forget to tune in to the next episode of the Pets at Home Puppy Podcast. So difficult. Pets at home. <laughs> so difficult. So pets at home. Puppy <laughs> podcast. Um, where will we will be discussing the first trip to the vet? Is that right? Is that episode three? Yeah, yeah. We're going to be talking about neutering vaccination and and well, a little bit about microchipping, but that should already be done. So. Yeah, I think we've me and you have talked about that a lot, but it's it's worth reiterating constantly, especially with more um, people in the room as well. So yeah, so tune in to the next episode and uh, don't forget everything we've discussed. There'll be notes in the podcast notes and yeah. Hope you've learned something. Thank you, ladies, and see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.